0: Speaking of getting booked, this podcast is about one thing. Getting booked to speak more. Whether you are an established speaker or a newbie, we want to see your career take off. Hundreds of speakers are hired every single day. And you are next. <laughs> Let's jump in with your host, Matt Browning.
1: Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Speaking of getting booked, I'm your host, Matt Browning. And as usual, we're sitting here each and every week with someone who either has Or does book speakers they they put people on stages and they watch people on stage and this week I have someone really special this is Elisa Hayes Uh, she actually does it all so between being a, a very successful keynote speaker herself with a tremendous message as well as being the president currently of the Northwest chapter of the National Speaker Association and she has scaled and sold a business where she'd be hired by fairs and festivals to go in and bring a variety of different speakers, including herself, to put on entertaining, audience-engaging shows and speeches. Um, There's a lot to cover and a short time to get into it. So let's jump in. All right. Elisa, how are you?
0: I'm excellent. Thank you.
1: Man, I'm so glad to have you. Now, you have worked with, I mean, everybody. I, uh, I want to get into your story, of course. Um, you're an international leadership speaker. You're an entrepreneur. Um, you've received the stamp of approval from U.S. military all the way to Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Um, yeah, not at the same time. That makes sense. And <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you you I love this. You said in your bio, you've served on boards, won awards, and drove big Fords. You've done it all. Let's get right into, did you start off as a speaker first, or did you start off as someone who would bring speakers in with that company, um, your company is or was? It was
0: Let's Pretend Entertainment.
1: So when you were starting Let's Pretend Entertainment, did you start that off as, hey, I'm the main shtick"? You said there's no shtick, but you're the main speaker. Or did you start it off with, uh, as the organizer and you would bring in speakers until you decided you wanted to yourself?
0: I I started off it was just me. I was really I was just an actor looking for a way to get paid. <laughs> Which anybody who trains as an actor doing theater that's super super hard to do. So it was it was just me. I found I found a way to get paid and then I found I could get paid more if I could scale my business so I could be in more than one place at a time. And then it it transitioned from that to not only could I get paid more, but I can have a much bigger impact. Uh, if you can have your message going simultaneously in in Michigan, in Texas, in Washington, California, why wouldn't you want to reach thousands of people that way? We worked with over thirty thousand kids a year in my company,
1: Wow. and that's all through that's all through fairs and festivals, essentially,
0: yes, mostly. we We did corporate events and we did private parties, that sort of thing. But, but really our bread and butter was state and county fairs and some festivals.
1: Well, let's talk about, because I've not had anyone on yet that um, has gotten booked into that kind of situation. So can you speak a little bit to what, what would it take to get booked? Say you want to be at a, a fair or festival. So anything at all you want to talk about, like, why would you even want that? Um, a general like a, a keynote speaker or a sales speaker, would that be at all potentially good for them? Or is that totally the wrong environment? If it is the right environment, how would you go about looking for the right place, getting booked and so forth?
0: Right, so it, like any other market or booking that you're trying to do as a speaker, we we talk about find your lane, niche down, niche down. You People come into speaking thinking, I have a message and the entire world needs to hear it. Which is completely unsellable, really, uh, in any sort of sustain- sustainable fashion. When you niche down and you get to know an industry really, really well, you can communicate very specifically and clearly to people in that industry. The industry that I fell into by accident and do it. Then, f- yeah, totally fell into it by accident and then fell in love with them was the fair industry. And what people don't realize is it's a whole lot more than corn dogs and carnival rides. it is uh, a large group of people. there are many many associations speakers who are keynote speakers who are trainers that sort of thing can market to those from an association standpoint. I also speak at many 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 of those association meetings and I do trainings in those association association meetings. My company let's pretend entertainment we did uh, a lot of consulting, design work, production work, because we got to know the industry even more. And the way you get into it is you show up, you get to know people. And if you're going to be booked as a, as a performer, as an entertainer, then you have to have something that you do. So there's lots of people who come in, they're hypnotists, they're jugglers, they're magicians, blah, blah, blah. I had none of that at all. I was an actor and a costume designer, and I had a real passion about building kids' confidence in front of audiences. So I found people who would pay me to do that. We formed, we did shows. I created 30-minute sets. That is, if you imagine a keynote for four-year-olds, what that would look like. (laughs) Although we had all ages, but if you just kind of picture in your head a keynote for four-year-olds, what would that look like? And full-on audience participation, that's what we did.
1: So it was really like a performance show Or a keynote cleverly disguised as a kid's puppet show without the puppets. It kind of like, that's what I'm imagining in my head is like.
0: Right. No puppets, no magic.
1: But but all the parents, so parents would want to then stop by. What would you call it? What's the title of that, that performance would make people say, Ooh, let's leave the corn dogs. You know, let's go, (laughs) let's go see that one show that we wanted to see.
0: Well, first of all, they didn't leave the corn dogs. They would bring them with them. So any speakers out there who think that they do audience interaction, meh, you're an amateur if you haven't tried to do it with people eating corn dogs in front of you. (laughs) Uh, So uh, we had four different programs that we would book. The reason we had four is is that it enabled us to get rebookings with our, our clients. They could rotate things. We had one called Let's Pretend Circus the let's pretend pirate adventure let's pretend wild west show and the let's pretend farm time tour which was a wild mix of time traveling farm animals and hand washing
1: okay okay so this is (laughs) there's a lot there and that's the primary show you would bring so what's your i mean just so we're clear too you're not really because i'm imagining myself as a keynote speaker saying okay i'm going to captivate this audience for 30 minutes in front of this you know how am I going to, how does this make sense to me? Really it sounds a lot like the acting chops and you were putting together a performance, like as if you had a 30 minutes in a theater with people, you're really doing a show of some kind, even if it's a one woman show at the time or whatever it is, it's still a show, not just a talk.
0: Right. Well, it, it, exactly. It's a, it was a show is, one, one performer, one speaker on a microphone in front of an audience and the whole structure of it exactly like a keynote.
1: The how, how scripted and how structured. were you scripted down to like, this is each, this is how we do each part of it and what you're doing or I was
0: scripted about as much as I script my keynotes. I know how I begin. I know how I end. I know the important points in between how, uh, but how I'm getting from A to B to C to D. Depends on the audience,
1: do you think that's a good piece of advice as far as scripting level? because i I agree with you, right? Like usually, my keynotes get rewritten a little bit um while I'm sitting in the audience waiting to go up. and usually it's on a hotel um little scrap of paper where I go, Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm doing the frog story this time, and then I'm doing my thing, and then I'm doing these two points, you know, and I'll go up with bullet right. points and in the bullet points, you know i I know enough of them that you know, uh, the content is there, but it's like, well, how do I do that? And then it's always going to branch off a little bit unique. Do you do you think that's good advice for most people to be structured, not scripted, or do you think there's times to be more or less one or the other?
0: Um, you know, partly it depends on the person, first of all. Um, and I'm I'm teaching this coming up at our speaker academy.
1: In fact, so this better be right.
0: Right. It better be right. Uh, this 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 should be good because they're giving me several hours to talk about it. Uh, I mind map out my programs. So I know my opening. I know it down cold. I have it, and I don't quote memorize because that rote memorization will always sound like rote memorization. Uh, but I have it down. I have it down so cold that I can deviate. I can play with it. I can adapt it to the audience on the fly, but I know it and it and that is scripted how I open how I close key stories that are better told you know, you learn through experience, and whether you sit down and write it scripted or whether you you should always record yourself when you speak every single single time because you 'll say something that is just platinum but you won 't remember it later you learn that the audience responds best when you say things in a certain order when, and you do it a certain way. So those you get down cold. And then when you're putting together the speech, at least the way I do it, I will, based on my pre-conference interviews with a handful of leaders in the organization asking questions and really dialing in on what they're focused on, what their problems are, what their needs are, I'll identify all that in my mind map and figure out which stories are going to fit best. And then on the fly, I just had this happen Sunday morning. I was speaking at an event. I looked over at the wall and I noticed there were some pictures taped to the wall that were obviously relevant to this group. I turned to the person next to me. This is maybe 10 minutes before I went on stage. I said, who, who are these people? And she explained to me these Seven people were the founder of the founders of the organization, and here's why and what oh, they wow. were what their purpose was. I, I, right, I, that's kind of a big thing. So I said, "Huh, OK. And I don't even have time to jot notes on a cocktail napkin. But I plugged that in my brain, and when I took the stage, I knew that was coming up. I didn't know when. I just trusted that yes. the moment would arrive that I will bring that in. But you can't do that if you don't know your stuff really well.
1: So, yeah, and there's, I don't think there's any shortcut for just plain experience, you know, like you said, when you're telling a story a hundred times, you figure out what line lands, what doesn't. Let's kind of wrap up the fair festival idea. So if you think that that would be a cool place for you, you know, there's... Mm -hmm you know, like, and and even like you said, you mentioned the hypnotist, you know, I met uh, Mark music, little shout out to Mark. Um, he was, you know, he did the fair circuit forever as a hypnotist. And then he got into more personal development and doing seminars and things like that. But I mean, he did, he built a whole career for himself on being the fair. How would you go about booking yourself or even saying, you know, I want to be one of the next speakers or the next gigs at the fair. Mm -hmm. Who who do you talk to? What's a process? What do you have to have ready? Um, what could you expect to get paid range, or is it non-paid? How does it work?
0: Well, uh, so there's a couple of different ways to to come at that, and it depends on what you do and what you want to do. For example, coming up in December at the International Association of Fairs and Expositions Conference that will be held in San Antonio, that's the Big Daddy Association. IAFE. Bill Stainton, a lot of people know Bill Stainton in NSA. He won 29 Emmy Awards and he's a well known keynote speaker. He will be one of the keynote speakers. Uh, he's also a friend of mine in NSA Northwest. So I'm very excited that he'll be there. Uh, Bill is getting booked there as a keynote speaker. That's not an ongoing living, that's him coming in. I'm going to do my keynote speech. I'm, I'm in, I'm out, I move and on to like another a, thing.
1: An association conference for the right. fair exhibitors. But.
0: Exactly, exactly. And there's a lot of speakers who, who come in that way. There's state, regional, and, and the international association. Lots of those, you can look those up. So, or if you want the ongoing income, like, hey, I don't work much in the summer, but I happen to be have these other skills like hypnotism or magic or juggling or whatever. I mean, Dan Thurman, the current president, is a juggler. And, and a variety performer, right? What a blast. And, but, right, so you, you show up at the conventions and you get to know people and you, you book business in that
1: industry. So that really is the best recommendation. I just wanna make sure I'm, I'm clear on that. So the Association of and Exhibitions, and would you say too, like if you could, let's just say you could get booked there to, uh, to speak. Really, would you say that's like an exhibition in and of itself, meaning you're, you know, sometimes you go to, a, say you want to get booked by a bunch of uh, corporate banks and you get to speak at the association of like, you know, Southwest bankers or whatever it is, that becomes exhibition talk. So even if it's free or whatever it is, you're speaking in front of potentially 100, 200 of your ideal clients who could then hire you to go into the companies you're going to speak. Is this that same sort of thing where, hey, this is a great place to exhibit myself?
0: Uh, exactly. So here, let me give an example. Okay. Besides my whole 15 year career in that industry with my, my business, I, I now speak and train and consult in the area of disability and inclusion. Right. So I, I just did a talk in Oregon last week, uh, called beyond the ADA. Well, I did that at way below my usual fee. Partly because the meeting planner is a friend of mine, uh, but mostly because everybody in that audience is a potential client to hire me as a consultant to come in to their organization.
1: So it's a massive potential lead generation. You guys, like I hope everyone's exactly. understanding the the power of this is if you have a topic that you're teaching on, consulting on, or want to speak on, and you want to go into these kind of companies, if you can find an association or a conference style thing where the heads of whatever, they're all going to be there. If you're an HR person, you go to the HR summit, and all of a sudden you have a hundred HR people. And if those are the people you need to get in front of, not a bad gig. Um, you alluded, So you talked about doing some work with uh, uh, around the ADA and that talk beyond the ADA. I think it'd be a good place. I'd love if you could um, maybe share a version of your story. I know you probably shared your story. Sure. I'd say that speaker to speaker, you know, the, um, I want to hear the real story. I genuinely do. I I know what you went through from your bio, but I'd love to hear the story from you. And I also realize you've told the story hundreds of times, probably. Um. Right.
0: Well, and you know, the weird part, it's so weird when you become one of those keynote speakers where, I mean, all of our stories should be our stories, right? Yes. Uh, But it it gets weird when your story is that big, big of a story. Uh, so I when I talk speaker to speaker, uh, I will say, yes, I'm now one of those people who has that big, gigantic story. Uh, the great irony, and this is a lesson for anybody listening. I joined NSA in 2009. I was in this near fatal, horrible wreck, which I'll give a brief summary of in a minute, in 2014. In the intervening five years, I spent five years saying, you know, I just don't really have a story. Wow. And God was laughing. going, Just wait, just wait, it's coming. And now what I tell people is, no, you don't want a story like this. It's super painful and it gets really weird. No, no, you have all kinds of awesome stories in your life.
1: Be just, careful if you don't have a story because, you know, you might be given one. So, like, figure out your story. Right.
0: right? <laughs> careful what you wish for so- Right. So I was, uh, the story is I was with a couple of employees. We were driving a big Ford, pulling a trailer, headed to the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. And I'll try and tell this in a way that is not how I tell it in my
1: keynote. You can tell it any way you want. Like a
0: real human, not that I'm not real human on stage, but you know.
1: I I get it. I get it. Yeah,
0: I know you do. Uh, uh, So we really, unfortunately, in Oklahoma, all the way from my home just south of Seattle had driven, and we were trying to stay ahead of a, of a terrible weather system. Big storm came in the area. We hit black ice on a two-lane highway. The trailer slid. I tried to correct for that, um, and it, it was only a two-lane highway. There was really, I didn't have enough room to work with. My Ford F-250 slammed into a guardrail on um, the left lane. We were stuck jackknifed on the highway, taking up most of the highway. Truck wouldn't budge. I have two 21-year-old women in my truck, uh, and I'm in charge. And this is why I talk about leadership. This is why I talk about a crash course in leadership. Yes. Uh, because in that moment, I I was the only one looking at the rearview mirrors and seeing that we were going to get hit by a semi-truck uh, within seconds.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Um. Uh, so i i turned to these girls and and was yelling orders at them to get out and run uh get out on the highway side which is where they were and it took a whole lot of trust on their part to get out on an icy highway and start running um but they believed me uh one of the gals who worked for me, her, when she tells this story, she says, When boss lady says run, you run. <laughs> um, the Ford F 250 has suicide doors. So the young woman sitting in the back seat would have been trapped in that truck if somebody didn't let her out. I wasn't close enough to let her out, but I didn't know whether the woman sitting in the front seat would take, you know, fight, flight freeze i didn't know if she would take off and run
1: or would she remember to open the other door
0: right i didn't know so i didn't move i wasn't going to get out myself until i knew that both of these young women could clear the truck because of that i was the last one to attempt to get out and by that point we were hit by a semi that hit the trailer then by a toyota sequoia suv that hit the back end of the uh, truck and our truck and trailer And separated those and then another semi truck who was he was going 65 miles an hour on cruise control and never touched his brakes he just changed lanes and he hit my body on the run
1: oh my goodness
0: yeah so i was hit by a semi that was going 65 miles an hour i wasn't in a vehicle launched my body 90 feet where I was then impaled on a cable guardrail down that center grassy knoll between the north and southbound lanes. Holy crap. (laughs) Right. I have the big dramatic story. I mean, that's
1: so, wow. That's so much more than, uh, I mean, yeah, I got in a car accident.
0: Right, right. Uh, I have conversations with people where they're like, yeah, I was in a really bad car accident too. Were you? Yeah, or yeah really. Um so I uh, uh amazingly uh EMTs were able to get to us within 17 minutes of the call, which was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I had to be taken over land in an ice storm uh, in an ambulance because they couldn't get um a helicopter in. And I arrived in an emergency room with eyes fixed and dilated, no pulse, not breathing, and Uh, blood, bones, everything pouring out of my wide open left side. My pelvis, amazingly, I don't have a spinal cord injury, which is is stunning. Um, I did what I had was a traumatic brain injury. uh, At the point that I was released from the hospital after three and a half months later, I I still couldn't read or remember how to cook food. Um, So I had a traumatic brain injury. Broken ribs, collapsed lung, broken hand, punctured diaphragm, lacerated kidney, broken left leg. And none of that is actually the bad news. My pelvis was folded in half in what's called an open book fracture. When you look up or you Google um, the levels of book fractures, this is like a level four book fracture, and it just says unsurvivable. The patients bleed to death. Wow. Um, so my family, 1800 miles away, learned that I was dying and I had a less than 5% chance of surviving the night. My mom, who's a retired physician says that they were being kind, that I had no chance of surviving. When she heard my injuries, she, what she believed at that moment was her daughter, her firstborn child was dead. Um, and they were just keeping the body alive, which is horrible and gruesome. And obviously, you know, spoiler alert, I, I made it, um, and doing very well. It's overwhelming. <laughs> it's huge.
1: Indeed. And, and I, and I'm being taken back to, and I think, um, just to give that a second, you know, like, that's not a story. Like that's, that's your life. This is, this is, yeah. it's not who you are, but it, you've gone through that. Do you feel like there's a distinct like chapter change at that point. Like, is it life before, life after? Is that how that um, is for you? Or how would you describe it?
0: You said that, and chills literally went through my body. Yeah, um, because that's exactly how it is in my life. There is, and I, I joke, I joke a lot because turns out being an entertainer is a survival skill. Uh, <laughs> uh, I joke that my life is BC and AD, before collision and after disability. <laughs>
1: it's night and day you know very very different um you know my brother when he was 20 got in a a unsurvivable accident uh, with a tow truck and it cut open the top of his car and also his head and and he survived and he lived for another 16 years um very much before and after right and so I know I've, I've walked through a lot of traumatic brain injury and a lot of that change. So, I mean, first off, just, I'm so chilled also and excited just to, just to talk with you and, and listen to, I mean, you're brilliant and you know what you're doing and like someone going through that, hear what I'm saying, quote unquote, you know, shouldn't be able to, and here you are, you know, this, this walking miracle. And I get a weird question for you. Is it, could I yeah. ask you something personal on that? yeah does it feel weird do you ever does it ever feel weird like you have a weight on your shoulders of now that i've survived this unsurvivable thing like because why did i get saved and now i have to figure out why i got saved because everyone's going to ask me why did i make it and does that make sense
0: yes it makes sense hugely i think you're the only person to ask me that question and i've been interviewed a lot about this story um Uh, yeah, it it is super weighty. I pray about it all the time. It influences my speaking tremendously. It influences, uh, everything that I do because I constantly feel like I'm not on borrowed time, but gifted time.
1: Yes. And then it's like this feeling of, and again, I'm only kind of trying to remember, you know, going through with my brother as well. I just remember thinking, gosh, like here's this gift you've been given the second chance. And it's like, oh gosh, okay, like now it's almost worse. I have the weight of, I got to do something with it. Cause if you just kind of the rest of your life, if you just watch Netflix and go on a date and just kind of hang out, like that's all of a sudden wasting something you've been given or whatever, it's just gonna, it can be weird a little bit. Right.
0: Right. Totally. Totally. I am. Yeah. and, And the crazy part about it is all of our lives are actually like that. Really? Um, all of us every single day is a gift really that i mean that day that i got up i i I wasn't planning to die that day it you know never actually crossed my mind i'd been driving along the truck 55 miles an hour very safely by the way and um we were listening to an audio book rich dad poor dad and talking to these two young women about saving their money and mentoring them because i worked with lots and lots and lots of young women in my company um i'd had a, an argument with my 13-year-old daughter before i left home in 2 days prior none of that had that weight of hey you better make this count because uh then the very next thing that's going to happen is you're going to be in a coma um, oh, but the reality is yeah we we there's no guarantee we we all actually live like that it's just that it, it is a present reality all the time for me that I can't ignore.
1: You, you have a new book coming out too. It's called Letters to My Daughter. Uh, yes. Be available on Amazon when this show drops. I think it's coming in a few weeks, but if you're listening to this live, um, it should be available on Amazon right now. You can go there. Letters to My Daughter. Tell me about, because this is, I think, a perfect segue to, as you go through that, you said you just got in a fight with your 13-year-old daughter. And this book is really, it's you saying the things that you know you need to say especially if you never had a chance to say it again. Could you tell me kind of, I don't know, maybe yeah. in there, I'm very intrigued by the title and I'm very intrigued by the story that you feel compelled to share.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the interesting part about this book is it's in some ways it's not what people would expect. It's, it's not, a, and I, maybe you could start with what it's not. It's not a book um, that is all very soft and mushy and we're going to hug it out. And, you know, let's,
1: um, so it's not mushy.
0: It's no, it's <laughs> not. I, it's, it, it's, it's not the, Oh, sweetie. I just it, want you to know how much I love you, which I do. Obviously that's huge, but that's not it actually. The, the night and what inspired it is, um, my daughter, much later, when she was able to really talk about these things, she told me that after she heard what happened to me and my my husband and my parents who lived next door at the time had broken the news to our three kids who were eighth grade, ninth grade, and eleventh grade at the time. Tried to break it to them in as gentle a way as possible and only tell them what they need to know. They didn't try and say, Hey, by the way, your mom is dying. Right. Uh, you know that that would be awful, but they're smart kids and they're old enough to know what was really going on and to get it. They sat in shock. And then my daughter went up to her room, Googled my name on her cell phone and sat scrolling through photos of her mom.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Thinking about how was she going to bury her mother? which I've always wanted to have my ashes sprinkled on the top of Mount Rainier, which I climbed for my 40th birthday. So she was trying to figure out how in the world she was going to get up to 14,411 feet. That's kind of the humorous part of it. But, um, (laughs) and she's glad I've let her off the hook on that one. But uh, what I've thought about is if I hadn't been around in all of these years now, it's been five years. In the five years that I've been here and as my daughter is now, a freshman in college, although actually academically a junior because she graduated high school with her AA degree, but if I hadn't been here, who would have been telling her and teaching her how to be a strong, assertive, confident, capable young woman in the world? Who would have been doing that mentoring for her Um, that in many ways only a strong, capable, confident mom can provide? And these are the things I would have wanted her to know. I would have wanted somebody to tell her how to be a woman leader in the world because we we need more.
1: Amen. Amen. So this is really a book. I think any any mother, any daughter, and for that matter, even any, any uh, father or son, I think mm-hmm. she, she really, now we know our niche, but still, I think anyone should should be able to check this out, look at this. So it's called Letters to My Daughter. We'll have an Amazon link right in the show notes. So check that out. Um, and I, I'm proud of you for doing that too. I'm really... Thank you. you know, getting, putting a book like that out isn't... I don't know, it's cool because it's not just this, some self-promotion book or it's not a book on leadership, which is difficult in its own right. But at the same time, you know, it's like, hey, it's a book on leadership. That's what I teach. To do something that's really authentic and really, this is about me, it's about my family, and it's also about your family... That's huge and um and not necessarily the easiest thing to do. So I'm glad you're doing that and I can't wait to read it as well when it comes out. Thank
0: you. Thank you very much, Matt. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Let's uh let's as we kind of come to the twilight here of our time together. I know uh you got things to do and I'm gonna let you let you go with that. Um one last piece going back to speaking. You yes, also sir. serving currently as the president of the Northwest chapter of NSA. Yes. And so that's the National Speaker Association. Um, It's also, I love the NSA. I'm a member as well in Ann Arbor and Michigan. Um, It's a great place to be. It's a great place for colleagues. So if you are in the speaking game at any level, I really, really encourage you to check out NSA for sure. Um, There's, it's funny, there's opinions about NSA all across the board, ranging from everywhere. What I Mm -hmm. find is you get what you put into something. And what I see in the NSA is it's a great place for colleagues. It's a great place if you want to be around other speakers. I mean, just talking to you, I wouldn't have ever considered fairs and festivals, and here we are. I'm like, wait a minute, like you're the kind of person I want to have lunch with, and hopefully, <laughs> vice versa. You know, we can share stories and share ideas. And I could tell you how I got booked to speak on Circuit Australia, and you're telling me about how you did fairs and festivals for 15 years. Um, what does it take? Do you guys do? I try to get this for every chapter and every local association that I interview. Do you? You still run that a monthly event, or do you do a bi-monthly?
0: We we do ours monthly. Uh, we have a uh, a chapter meeting uh, typically the third Friday of every month, mm-hmm. um, and we bring in speakers to to cover a wide variety of topics on. Uh, Everything from the craft of speaking to sales to how to do webinars, how to how to speak without ever leaving your house. Uh, all, all right, how to knock like it, it on airplanes? Right, exactly. Uh, the, the how you to knock it on
1: airplane speaker?
0: <laughs> right, and there's just like you're saying, you wouldn't have known about a market in fairs and festivals. Who would think of that? we we try to cover a wide variety of things that people just wouldn't think
1: of. What do you look for first when, so you're booking your speakers and do you do, do you have like 10 spots a year? Or do you do yes. 12 or you do 10? You probably have the conference, the national conference, and that's something else usually.
0: Right. You know, December is always just a ho- holiday party.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So so if you're writing a chapter and you have 10 different spots for speaking, you know, those are, those are really important to fill correctly because they're also the members are paying to be there, right? Um, they're, they're showing up and saying, yes, I want to spend money. I want to do something. What do you book primarily? Like, do you want uh, a known speaker? Do you want content topic first? Or is it through, and I I mean this in a really like, uh, let's pull the curtain back on a sort of way. Yeah. Is it going to be, you gonna book people through relationship and through, Hey, I know this speaker and I know they're good and they have a good topic. Or would you like say, you know, we really want to find a webinar teacher. Who knows a webinar teacher? Like, what comes first? Do you think is it relationship or topic?
0: Well, it de- it certainly depends on the person setting the programming, and 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 it, to to a large extent. And in our chapter, uh, the president sets the programming, and we usually do that a l- long time in advance.
1: How far in advance do you set? Do you do twelve months at a time, like calendar year, or do
0: you I do- uh, when I? was the president elect of the chapter. So we have our annual meeting in June where there's the changeover. I had all of our programming for my year as president. I had done by February before I became president. Wow. Okay. Um, Because I, I wanted to be able to focus on, on everything else, you know, in that position, in that responsibility. So I had scheduled a long time in advance, um, which a lot of people who send information to chapters don't even, they don't realize they will wait until somebody becomes president and then they start promoting to NSA chapters to speak there. The other thing is in our chapter, we only bring in NSA speakers. If you're not a member of the National Speakers Association, there you go, that's fine. But you're not going to present at our chapter. Um,
1: Is that normal? You said that's an um, art chapter. Is that pretty normal or not really?
0: I think that's pretty normal. It it is pretty normal. Some, some chapters don't go by that. And, and again, it also depends on who's doing the programming. They, they get a lot of choice around that. Um, There is, there is, there's a PR problem really is what it is. You know, we're pulling back the curtain. There's a PR problem if you bring in people who aren't in the National Speakers Association because then they're, they're not paying their dues, literally, to be part of the club.
1: Right, and you have this thing, like no matter how great, how authentic, how whatever they are, there's still that, oh, wait a second, hang on. We're all trying to speak and now you just brought in someone else? So, right. And it's the same right. as the company, right? Hiring from within. If that's important, that's important. That's really good. So number one, guys, if, if you'd like to speak and be a part of NSA's, uh, local chapters is a great place to go for sure. But remember, and, and I've heard the same thing for most people. It's like the, you're talking not just 12 months, maybe 12, 18 months in advance. You're, figure, you're finishing your program by February. You're showing up in June. And then you have that set for like the whole next 12 months. So you're realistically like come January 18, you might be planning your December 2019 speaker. You know, yes Essentially, so we're very far in advance so the other thing is have a long game you know um if if you say i'm going to put in an event and i want to speak and promote it and the events in 60 days or or even four months like that's not what this is about you're, you're building relationship over time right and doing that so that is phenomenal uh elisa thank you so much for just i mean sharing honestly sharing your story with us um i'm really glad we got a chance to have this conversation i'm glad we had a chance to have it on air Yeah, me too. Me too. It's great to talk with you. Awesome. Well, guys, uh, I think that's the show. So thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe. Rate and review this podcast. I want to get uh, and share it. More importantly than even rating and reviewing, do that. But sharing it with another speaker. If you know someone who wants to become a speaker, is a speaker at any level, I promise you, as you've seen from this show, uh, we really, really strive to over-deliver with what we're doing. So you can follow Elisa Hayes at Elisa, that's E-L-I-S-A, Hayes, H-A-Y-S. Facebook and LinkedIn, Elisa Hayes. And check out elisahays.com. You can find out she's a phenomenal speaker. There's speaker reels and all sorts of cool free stuff on there. If you're a meeting planner, check out alisahayes.com. And definitely grab, there's an affiliate link or a little Amazon link uh, to her book, Letters to My Daughter in the show notes. Make sure you check that out too. Alisa, thanks for coming on. And guys, thanks for listening.